um, preach on love for the second time, and uh, we're in a series called Fresh Start. And uh, we just at the beginning of 2019 wanted to um, kind of hit a reset button in our church and leave the old behind and go on with the new. And so we've been preaching on three words. What are they, church? What are they? What is it? Repentance, great, and forgiveness. You're even going to give it to me in order? I'm, I'm impressed. And love, right? So repentance, forgiveness, and love. These are the words, uh, words to live by. And uh, so we've been studying them. And last week we studied um, love for God, right? The great commandment, love God, love others. And we got the first part down. We want to love the Lord our God, the Lord my God, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. I want to love him with all I've got. So I came today, even though it's cold, a little chilly in here even, I really am grateful for all of you sitting in the front. I did kind of poke at that last week, and thanks for your response. I see a lot more empty seats in the back. That's perfect for our guests that are coming in, uh, even at 9 o'clock, because something... uh, you know, wasn't said right or something, and they think that we start at nine. So anyway, really grateful for you guys to do that. So let me just put the verse on the screen. We're going to get after love others, but I'm going to give you the great commandment right here. So here it is on the screen. Um, I'm going to turn to so many passages, so I didn't want to have to, I don't want to give you like carpet tunnel or, or, you know, get get you like too much exercise turning. So I'll put this one on the screen for you. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we're going to get after that today. And I'm going to give you five principles from God's Word. Here's the first one. You're going to want to turn over to Luke chapter 10. That's where it's found. It's a parallel passage to this. It might be the same story told a different way. Um, Some scholars think it's a different story that God was fond of saying this phrase and fond of others were saying it as well. And so um, regardless, it's in our Bible eight times, and we're going to get after that right now. Luke chapter 10, if you're there, say you're there. All right, you're going to need to find verse 27. It's so clever that people have put these things in for us so we can get there quickly. Just appreciative to people that have gone before us. The first principle is love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Write that down. Love your neighbor. You're like, duh. I told you last week it was going to be vanilla. This week hasn't changed. Love's a pretty simple thing. The hard thing is to do it, right? Knowing's half the battle. The other half is doing it. And uh, I think we know we should be loving. I think we know we should love God. I think we know we should love others. It's the doing it that's the problem, right? So uh, let's just work on that today together. Everybody in for that? I hear a lot of Heads, no, I can't hear your head go like this. I see a lot of heads. So, so you guys all in for that? I want to learn how to love better. I need that. Love is the greatest thing. I need to love better. And so I'm, I'm in for that today. Verse 27. And he answered, 
This is the lawyer now, not Jesus, so it's interesting how it flips. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Did I get a good grade? Gold star? And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. What does it say? Oh, come on now. Followers of the Most High God following along in the best book ever written, God's love letter to you. What are the last two words? Do this. <laughs> yeah, good, good for you. You said it. Well done. Do it. Do this. Love your neighbor. Do this and you will live. Live forever. Live well on this earth and live forever in eternity. Do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, justify is a legal term, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Can we get a clarification on who I need to be good to and who I don't, please? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, you know it's a story because we know in life nothing really happens by chance since God's in control, but this is a story, a parable. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. And a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, here's the key component, something that was missing. He had compassion, love mercy. He went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, two days wages, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved, key word, proved? Now you could say it all you want. I love people. But what Jesus Christ is getting to is like, do it. Prove it to me, right? Which one of these think, do you think proved to be his neighbor, to love your neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. He said, the one who showed him compassion, mercy, love. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Now let me pray right there. God needs to seal that on our hearts. God, this is an amazing story. I think we've all heard of the Good Samaritan. <laughs> and 
And Lord, you put this story in the Bible for us to learn from, to grow from. And I pray that our church, the church in Rochester called Harvest Bible Chapel, would be changed today. We don't come here to check a box, Lord. We've been asking you all morning to do something beyond what we could ask or see. And so, Lord, we're here. We're attentive. We're listening. Bible's open. Pen's in hand. Ready to hear from you. Ready to do what you say. Not just to say what you did. God, please help us to live this out because the world's salvation depends on us living out the love that you have tangibly shown to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Thank you for Jesus. Amen. Love your neighbor. Pretty simple. I want to go back through the passage and catch just a couple highlights. Justify, right? So it's a legal term. We talk about being justified by faith, right? In God, right? So when he says, desiring to justify himself, what should, what should happen to a believer in Jesus Christ? No, 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 no. We do not justify ourselves, right? Jesus Christ justifies us. He's the one that stands in the gap, takes the punishment, paid the penalty, had the blood, right? That's it. So um, whenever you get to this point where you're trying to justify your actions, you justify, well, you know, I yelled at the ref, but you know, he was really bad. Sorry, my son's in basketball right now. Yeah, it's not really that funny. Thanks for not laughing at my not funny joke. <laughs> Appreciate it. You know, we don't justify ourselves. Jesus Christ justifies us. You don't have to defend yourself and all that, and you don't have to look good and prim and proper, and aren't I a good boy, and aren't I a good girl? We can, we can dispense with that notion. Are we cool? All right, let's dispense with that. We are who God made us to be. We're saved by his love. And he said, who is my neighbor? So I think that's a good question. Who is my neighbor? Who is, who is my neighbor? Who, who should I be good to? Who should I show love to? I, I'm going to come back to that in a minute. I think that's really important. We've got to get that phrase down. And then he tells a story about a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's 17 miles. It's really treacherous. It's, you know, steep. It's like 3,300 feet in elevation drop. It's, it's a big deal. And uh, this is a place known for people to, like, hide out in the rocks and stuff and, like, beat people up and rob people and so on and so forth. So it's like they would have got the story. The, we're not sure if this is a parable or if this is a true story, right? So God speaks in a lot of parables, so we just slap the word parable on it. But it seems like they were like, yeah, we've heard this story before. Like, maybe this was told before. So... Man's going down, and he gets beat up, and what happens? The priest, well, you don't understand what that means, really, unless you're Catholic. So um, I grew up Baptist, so I didn't really get that. So it's like the pastor, all right? Let's go with that. So Steve Diedrich goes walking by, and he's like, you know, and he gets out of the way. 
the pastor, the one who's like getting paid by the people to love people, you get paid to do that, bro. You couldn't pay. You can't pay to, to love people, can you? You just got to love people. There's no like amount of money that makes you want to do that. If you're doing it for that reason, you get out of ministry right now. You will get out of ministry. I trust me. You will. The pastor walks around. He saw him and he was like, avoid. Everybody say avoid. Avoid. Like I'm going to avoid it, right? Like the plague. And then the Levite comes. So, so, you know, you were all cute and smiley when it was the pastor, right? But the Levite, that's like the Christian, the follower of Jesus Christ, the pew, the churchy guy. I'm going to come after you, David, right? David walks up and he's like, hmm, you know, and he's like over here and he's like, you know. So you guys aren't off the hook either in the story. Right, let's just be clear. And then the Samaritan. Do you know that the Jews hated Samaritans? They're half-breeds. They're mutts. They're, just, they're, not the, they're not Jews, Jews. They're not church, churchy people. They don't really belong or fit in. I hope there's like a bunch of those here today, right? Come on. I don't fit in. And what does he do? He came. He saw, he had compassion, he went, he brought, he took care of. He kept pursuing this guy. Uh, one point I want to point out is uh, he went and he bound up his wounds and pouring on oil and wine, there's essential oils in the Bible. Just want to say that? All you ladies, this is a biblical thing. I'll make it fun. But I did put some thieves on today so I wouldn't get sick from y'all. <sighs> okay. So there's so much here, and we could go on and on. I could preach, I could preach for days on this. But I want to just give you um, this avoidance thing is a real thing. And so I want to get after it, right? So why do I avoid opportunities? I want to just, just write it down on your paper. Why do I avoid opportunities? Everybody say why. Well, I'm going to tell you why right now, okay? Why do I avoid opportunities? Number one. It's scary. I'm walking out of Chester's on a Friday night date night with my wife, and a guy comes up to me and he asks for money. And I'm like, is he going to mug me? This is a trap. Do you really need help? What's going on? It's, it's scary. I'm sure the guy's laying there, the pastor, you know, the church people, we're being hard on him, but they might be like, no, yeah, I've seen this, I've heard this before, where a guy's laying down, he's not really hurt, right? It's ketchup, right? And uh, as soon as I get close, he's going to jump up, and guys are going to run out, and I'm going to get mugged. I'm going to be the guy. It's scary. It's a trap. The robbers are right around the corner. And number two, it's messy. Well, let's just say that's not ketchup. That's actually really blood. I could get an infection. I could get sick. Helping this guy. It's costly. Three. It's costly. It's going to cost you something to help somebody. It's going to cost you time. It might cost you money. I'm in a hurry. We're really in a hurry. My own clothes, my own provisions. Do you see it here? He put the guy up on his animal and he 
walked. Pretty cool, isn't it? He gave up his own transportation and started walking. This last two, um, I'm proud, or I'm, I'm mighty, let's just say. I'm mighty, right? So um, this is a pride thing. I'm somebody. I'm mighty. Hey, I'm the pastor. I don't deal with this. Small group leader, could you come in and help out? Like, that's just great wickedness. That's just, it's just not who we are. We're not all high and mighty. There's nobody that could walk through the doors of Harvest Bible Chapel and not get greeted with love. Amen? I mean, I don't care who they are, what they look like, what they smell like, pleasing, not pleasing, because in God's sight, loved. And therefore, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, we should love them too. Love your neighbor. This last one, um, I'm busy. My priorities, it doesn't really fit with my priorities. You know, I didn't really put any money in the budget for like helping people. Maybe you should do that. I just don't have the money. I don't have the time. It's not my goal for today. I'm a very driven person. That's not part of the plan. I think I've labored it long enough. Who is my neighbor? So I uh, went to Florida a week ago. Um, I got into a conversation with a lady. Um, I told her about Jesus. That was fun. I love doing that. I, I said, God loves you. And I know how much God loves me. And so therefore, I love you. We love you. All the pastors that you've seen, they all love you. Right? Why? Because she was close by. Because she wanted to know. Because she was there. Do you see that? They saw, they saw, they came, they saw, they came, they saw, they came, they saw. Like, if, if you get close to somebody, and you see that maybe they have a need, right? You just discern, like, they don't know Jesus. Then, then what? Tell them. They might like that. They might not. You can discern that. You could be a good neighbor. But if they're in your proximity, now I think where we get screwed up is when we kind of try to like make plans to go, well, I'm going to go to uh, Jamaica next week and I'm going to tell people about Jesus. I'm going to tell people and this is like, hey, that's a great plan, but is God leading you there? And when you get there, is he still going to be leading you or are you going to be beating to your own drum, right? And I think that's what you really have to be careful about is like follow the Spirit's leading with who's around you and who needs stuff, right? You could be so focused. I've said this before in a message. So you could be at Chester's sitting across the table, like so pounding your neighbor about Jesus Christ. And he's like, I don't want it. Stiff arming you, right? And then you go to the bathroom because you're like frustrated. And you're like, in the bathroom, you're like, somebody's crying in the corner. And you're like, don't even think a thing about it. You go, put some water on your face back in the game slap yourself on the rear and you're like in the game and you're like, okay, back at it. And you go back to your neighbor, right? And you're like, you need Jesus! Who's your neighbor? The person curled up in the corner in the bathroom. Right? They're the ones that need your attention right now. So I hope that that makes sense to you. Your neighbor is 
anyone God brings into your life, and when he does, could you show mercy, compassion, love, he says, go and do likewise, right? Just like I've shown you, you do to other people. All right, here's the second principle. The second principle is like it, just adding a couple words, love your neighbor as, what is it going to be? Yourself. I mean, why do you know that? Well, I've read it once. You've heard it before. Matter of fact, this phrase is in the Bible eight times. A phrase this long isn't in the Bible eight times very often. This is a pretty big deal. It's in the Old Testament, Leviticus 19, 17 through 18. If you want to write this down, it's great for you to go back and study these things because this is the main point. Love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19, 17 through 18. And then it's in Matthew 19, 19. Guess what Matthew 19, 19 is? In case you think this message is all about love and mercy and compassion, and it's all like feel good grace, no truth. Like there's a balance. Jesus Christ is a balance of grace and truth, right? So guess, guess what Matthew 19, 19, guess what story that is? The rich young ruler. How'd that go? Guy comes up, Jesus, I've done everything that you've asked me to do. I kept all the commandments. And he's like, what? Jesus, it says in Mark, and the story there, it says, he loved him. And because he loved him, he said, you're good. We're going to be in heaven someday. You're awesome. Is that what he said? No. He said, go and sell everything and come follow me. Right? And that is it. He loved him. He told him the truth. You're trusting your wealth to save you. You're in love with your wealth. The one thing you lack is a heart for me. You could use all that wealth to serve me, but because you can't do that, just get rid of it and come follow me. The great command three times this phrase is used. And then here's three others. I want you to write them down. I want you to go study them because I'm not going to preach them in this message. But I found it fascinating to read every one of them and was penetrated by every one of them. Okay, so here it is. Romans 13, 8 through 10. Go read that this week. It's a big deal. You could write big deal on your paper. Galatians 5, 13 through 14. And then James chapter 2, verse 8. Those are three passages you should spend some time on this week when we're talking about love your neighbor as yourself. How do you love yourself? Can I ask you? Do you love yourself completely? Do you love yourself naturally? Do you love yourself passionately? Yes, I do. Go ahead, tell your neighbor. Yes, I do. Oh, for sure you do. Don't lie. You said that with lackluster conviction. Here's the deal. I brought my little bag with me. Well, my wife's bag, to be honest. This is my feel-good bag. Okay, so I'm going to get in here, and uh, if I'm thirsty, what do I do? That's so good. You're not thirsty, are you? Good, because I'm thirsty. And um, if I'm thirsty, I... I go get a drink. 
That's what I do. And um, sometimes if I'm thirsty, then I get a little hungry. If I'm hungry, I go get some chips from Chip, Chick-fil-A and uh, waffle chips. Not as good as the fries, but in a pinch, it'll do. Mm, these are good. Kind of salty. Gluten-free, though, so you all could have them. We could use these for communion, actually. I wonder if Matt would hook us up. That'd be awesome. If I'm hungry, what do I do? I feed myself, right? I'm, I'm drinking, eating. What am I getting? I'm getting a little tired because once I eat, I, you know, it goes to, yeah. So uh, if I'm tired, I, um, I, uh, I, uh, I don't even have to think about it. I'm not even sure where I learned this, but if I'm tired, I lay down. So, um, and sometimes when I'm t- laying down, I get a little cold um, because it's stinking Minnesota. <laughs> and so I would, uh, you know, just, I would get warm. Um, why would I do that? Because I, I love myself. I know how to take care of myself. I, uh, you're like, could you get a bed? Well, you know, it's an illustration, okay? <laughs> All right. We know how to take care of ourselves. We know how to love ourselves well. I think that's the point when he says, love your neighbor as yourself. It should come naturally. You should do it completely. Right? Willingly, gladly, I serve myself. And that's how I should serve others as well. As myself. I think a problem with that is, um, and maybe you're feeling a little conviction right there, and I, I do too, okay? That's good. Conviction's good in church, right? Not feeling condemned. Right? Like, oh, you stink, sinner. We all came in sinners. We know that, right? Right? Oh, I was the only one. So, like, oh, great. All right. Well, let me preach then today. Conviction's a good thing. Warren Wiersbe says this, There is no real conversion without conviction. And the law is what God uses to convict sinners. Romans 3.20 So this is the law. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's convicting to me. And conviction is what it takes to repent, receive forgiveness, right? For salvation, for conversion. I want to be clear on that point. Sometimes in the church, though, we get a little jealous, eh? Anybody get jealous of anybody else? I'm going to leave it up there for a while. And I'm watching. Nobody's jealous. Got it. Yeah, I know better. Sometimes we get jealous of other people. I remember early on in a message uh, preaching on this a little bit. And so I I just pulled this out of that message. Jealousy in the church. Jealousy in the church. And I just feel like this is a good reminder for us. We don't want to be jealous in the church, right? We want to be loving one another in the church. We don't want to be jealous in the church. So, jealous of what? Jealous over my position. I want to be up front. I want to lead this small group, kids, VKW, whatever. Why didn't they ask me to lead that? 
Why didn't they give me that position? Do you realize how many positions in our church are open right now? We need a prayer coordinator. Right? We need ushers every week. I was in the lobby today greeting. I think we could have 10 ushers instead of four. Did I say ushers? Yeah, I misspoke there. I think we could have 10 greeters welcome people instead of four. Why? Because I think people would feel more loved if there was 10 than if there was four. Just saying. So again, no condemnation. I'm not telling you that to like make you feel bad that you didn't greet or ush. I'm just telling you, like, it's easy for us to fall into. Why does he get to? Why does she get to? You're all welcome to use all of your gifts in the body. That's what God wants you to do. Okay? Jealousy in the church over my possessions. Why did God bless them with kids, a job, that house, material things, that car? I don't know. Maybe it's because they're not bound up by jealousy and money. <laughs> I don't know. Just guessing. Jealousy in the church over my privileges. Um, earlier in the church, you, know, you, know, you kind of had your seat. I like it that you guys move around a little bit. That's great. Except for Jeremy. Jeremy's got that seat. That's, that's your seat. That's lockdown. Somewhere in that row, in one of those five seats, there's a plaque called Jeremy. All right. Jeremy Vold. Um, but, you know, you wouldn't want to come in, Jeremy, and be like, you're sitting in my seat. It's my right and privilege. I've been here five years. Can you move, please? Right? We don't do that. And I know you wouldn't do that, so that's why I can make fun of you. <laughs> Thanks for letting me. It was fun. Why are you asking me to sit lower, Steve? It's my privilege to sit wherever I want. Why are you asking me to park farther away, Steve? It's my privilege to park wherever I want. Why is that important? Because we love our guests and we want them to come to Christ just like we've come to Christ. And we don't want to give any hindrance or obstacle. We don't want to give the devil any stronghold or foothold that would hinder their relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we walk farther and we come down front and we greet and ush and do all the things that we do because we love people. Jealousy in the church over my personal gifts or personality even. I want his gifts, abilities. Why can't I have that? Why can't I look like that, sing like that? I want to sing like Brent. Anybody? Ah, Brad did a pretty good imitation of Brent today. I want to sing like Brad and Brent. Let me tell you what. Think like that. Lead like that, talk like that, care like that, serve like that. Why can't I be like that? Because God made you special and you're you. That's why. Do you and do it well. You can use your unique gifts. I think I said that. And this last one, jealousy in the church over, it's, it's a pride thing. My pride. If I can't do what I want to do, I won't do anything. I don't know if that's your heart. I hope not. But if it is, I would just challenge you today that that's not God's love. That's not the way we love one another. Right? And um, I'm just going to throw this verse on the screen. Uh, 1 Peter 4, 8. It says this, Above all, love one another 
earnestly. Put some passion behind your love for one another. Since love covers a multitude of sins. See, all of this jealousy can be washed away when we love one another. All of this sin issue can be washed away through the blood of Jesus Christ when we earnestly love one another. Let's put all our time and passion and energy in our brain and our doing into what's right, right? Versus the wrong thinking and the wrong doing. All right, this next point. Love your neighbor as God loves you. I'm going to flip over to John chapter 13. I think you're probably familiar with that passage. John chapter 13. It is where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. They are astounded. They are uncomfortable. Why? Because he's the master. They're the servants. Um, He's the teacher. They're the students. And they aren't really great with it. Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I've given you example. That's what he says. And then just right across the page in verse 34, he sums it up with this. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. What does it say? Just as I have loved you. That's the point. You are to love one another, just as I have loved you. Love your neighbor as God loves you. So how does God love you? Well, I think you go back to the illustration of like how you take care of yourself, naturally and you know completely and all that, passionately. But, but I think it's even more than that. I think God loves you perfectly. God loves you unconditionally. God loves you sacrificially. Write those words down. That's how God loves you. God loves you perfectly. He is a perfect lover of your soul. God loves you unconditionally. There's nothing you can do that'll make God love you less. He loves you perfectly right now in this moment, and he always will. And he loves you sacrificially. John 15, 12 through 13 shows this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So how? Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Who's that someone? Jesus Christ. He's the one that did that. I really stink at that. I want to. In my head, it seems like a good idea. And then in practice, it's like, no, I want what I want. The best illustration is obviously, you know, Jesus on 24 hours before he uh, gets crucified, picks up the towel, right, of ministry, and he, and he serves his disciple. I mean, I think as Christians, we should just walk around like this. What can I do for you? How can I serve you? Like, we got to have that towel mentality. Like, I'm here to serve you. I want what's best for you. And he washed his disciples' feet and gave us this great example of how love should be done. And then he went to the cross. And he died for us. 
when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his love for us. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know why that verse is in my head? Because the waitress at Buffalo Wild Wings on Friday, I think it was, Thursday, had it tattooed on her arm. And I asked her about it. Why did I ask her about it? Because I love her. Like, you never met her before. Nope. But I know God loves her. Because I know God loves her, then I love her. And I was just interested to what her tattoo was all about and why she felt that was important. And we love our neighbor as God loves us. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. And I pray for Tiffany that she will accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior and make a big impact on all of Buffalo Wild Wings, huh? Would that be cool? That'd be neat for God's glory. Why do we, why do we love others? Why would, why would we even do that? I just want to answer that question right here. Uh, and it's from 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. That's it. So if you read the scripture in the morning and then you walk out to work, you pretty much are like set up for success because you're like, I feel loved by my father. I'm comfortable in my own skin. I'm out there in the world, which is a pretty tough place to be, right? But even as Satan's throwing darts and people are hating, right? I, I just, I feel comfortable in God's love. I, I know I'm walking in eternal life. And I'm like, all right. I just need to love you today, because that's what Jesus would do if he was here. He'd love you best he could, right? Sometimes grace and truth, but he'd love you best he could. And so we love because he first loved us. You could go read 1 John uh, this week. That would be a great passage of scripture. If you're not on a Bible reading plan, I try to like kind of feed you every week. And so 1 John would be a great book to read in regards to loving your neighbor this week. Um, let's get to the fourth principle. Here it is. Love your neighbor so the world will know. Love your neighbor so the world will know. Write that down. Love your neighbor so that the world will know. Now, you're here still in uh, chapter 13, and I'm just going to read it here, and then I'm going to turn over. Verse 35 says, By this, our love for one another, all people will know. That you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So people will know if you're loving or not. They know. Do you believe that? Do you believe people really know if you love or not? They do. They're nice enough they don't tell you. There's some kind of etiquette, right? <laughs> but they know if you love them or not. Flip over to 1 John, since I mentioned that. This, we're going to end right here. 1 John chapter 3, to finish up this principle, love your neighbor so the world will know. There's so much here I could say, chapter 3, chapter 4, so much on love, the love of the Father for us, that we should love one another. He uses the illustration of Cain, who was evil and selfish. Do you remember that guy, Cain? Like the third person on the earth, allegedly. 
he was really selfish like the world. But then there's, he contrasts it with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who was really selfless and taught us how to be selfless on the earth. And so the point is, love is denial of self for another's gain. You might write that down. Love is denial of self for another's gain. That's what love is. Love is denial of self for another's gain. So verse 16 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is, it doesn't. And then he gets really tender here. Do you see that? I think that's important when you're really trying to make a hard point that you get tender. And so I love how the scripture does that, how the Holy Spirit leads John and how John is such a loving person. He's like, all right, I'm going to tell you the hard truth. Here it is. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. That packs a punch. Let us not love in word, in talk, but in deed and in truth. It's not just words. You see here the world's goods. I would just say to you, lest you leave here and give away your house and then not have a house and give away everything you had for lunch, like the money you had for lunch, you budgeted, you gave it to somebody else, that's great, you can miss a meal, right? That's fine. But it says if anyone has the world's goods, if you don't have, you can't give. Are we clear on that? If you don't have, you can't give. So having isn't wrong. You need to go to work, make some money, steward it well for God's glory. Maybe have a God pocket, set some aside for like God opportunities. When God brings somebody in your life who's in need, you'll help them. And then the next part of this passage is um, see the brother's need. You have to see the need and meet the need. You have to see the need and then don't close your heart when you see the need and you check with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, are we, is, this, is this for me? See the need and meet the need. So love really is being open-hearted is what the passage is saying and open-handed with God's money. Love is being open-hearted. My heart's open towards this is a possibility that this is a real thing that you need something from me. And then it's being open-handed with God's resources for, for God's glory, right? Let's end it up like this. There's so much I could say here, but actions do speak louder than words, correct? And so I, I hardly ever use myself in a positive um, example uh, in the message. I don't really know why I'm doing that today other than it was just what God brought to my, my heart, but... Claiming to love somebody isn't enough. So I was there in that conversation with that lady, and I said to Shannon, I said, Shannon, God loves you. And I know God loves me, and so I love you. We love you. My wife and I love you. 
all these pastors in this conference, that we love you. And that could have been the end of it. But actions speak louder than words, right? And so I told her what Bible to buy, and she had written it down and taken down this, where to go to church, you know, and all this. That's great. But I went and I found a Christian bookstore. Not, not easy to find. And I, I bought a Bible. One for her, one for her. She has a son and a daughter, teenage. You know, I, I pray they'll read it. I don't know if they will. It's hard. It's hard age. Why did I do that? Because the Holy Spirit led me to do that, right? Because I felt like that was a tangible way of showing Shannon, I love you. God loves you. This is his love letter written to you, and so this is for you. Please read it, and your life will be changed. We have to do it. We have to show love, all right? And I know that you guys are doing that as well. I'm just trying to give you that example. Uh, You know, the cool thing about Florida was I had time and space, right? Isn't that a key? So, so many times we like in our life are like regiment. Like there's no time and space. I got to get to work on time. Well, the, the, the person like needs help. Have a reservation last night. I drive by a car. Flashers on. Like I should stop. I can't, can't do it. Got a reservation. 24 people waiting, counting on me. So we got no time. Stinks. Maybe we need to put a little margin in our lives, eh? A little margin, we call it love. A little, little love margin. It'd be great. Well, let's end with this. How do we show God's love? How do we show God's love? Okay? Here it is. Here's five ways we can show God's love. I'm just going to end with this right here. How do we show God's love? Spend time and listen. You got to spend time with people and you got to listen to what they're saying. Get to know somebody this week, okay? Take some time, sit down at lunch, and instead of driving your agenda, just ask somebody. Second, serve one another. Whether it's out in the parking, thanks parking guys, or at the door welcoming, or in the prayer room praying, or whatever it is, serve one another. You know, go down in kids and work in kids ministry. This is our mission, right? We want to show those kids how much God loves them. Number three, speak the truth in love. In small group with your friends, it's so easy to think that love is always saying what's nice. But like I said with the rich young ruler, it's interesting to me that Jesus loved him, and so he told him the truth. What you're doing is not good. You need to make a different choice. So that's a loving thing too when you love someone. Speak the truth in love. And then this, number four, sacrificial giving. So giving because we have a lot isn't necessarily hard to do, but it's when we don't have a lot, and I might have to miss lunch today because that person isn't going to eat all week if I don't give them this, that, that's a little bit sacrificial, right? I'm actually going to miss a meal, and uh, I could probably stand to do that once a day. Number five, share the love of Jesus. Tell others about Jesus. 
So um, typically we have these invitation cards that we hand out from time to time, um, but all of those are kind of obsolete right now because they say 9 and 11 on it, and our service at 8.30 and 10.30, and so we really want to fill this 8.30 service up. We got room. Look, we got room. And so uh, this is the best I can do, and it's actually pretty good. Um, this is our mission, vision, pillars, the 5G, um, our little greeting from our pastor, you know, whatever, that, that's cool. But um, put this in your Bible. The ushers are going to give you one at the door. If you want one, you don't have to take one. We love you, so you take it or don't. I don't you know, we're not trying to cram it down your throat. But if, if you'd like this, this would be a great opportunity. You throw it in your Bible or in a book or something that you're taking to work, and if you get in a spiritual conversation, you just like, give it to them and be like, hey, this is my church, and this is what we believe, and I'd love to see you there. I'd love to go with you, and it's just a, a way to invite them to church, to share the love of Jesus Christ. And so I just wanted to give you some kind of tool to make it tangible so you could go and share the love of Jesus Christ. The last point, I'm not going to get to it, is love your neighbor and the church will grow. Love your neighbor and the church will grow. So when you do what I'm asking you to do and you take that book, Mark, and you love them and you say, yeah, I believe God loves you, I love you, and I want to tangibly help you, um, that's when the church grows. When we love others, that's when the church grows. All right, let's pray. Father God, we're grateful um, for your love for us, and we um, want so badly to show the love that you have for us. I mean, none of us really want to die today of crucifixion, but um, there are other ways that we would be willing, God, to, um, to just um, lay down our life uh, for you, for, for your good. And so if you would see fit, Father, to, to convict us right now of where we've not been loving, then we would, um, we would take that and we would, we would try to we would rest in, we would fall into your love and we would be more loving. It would change us. So grip us with the message of the gospel today that you loved us enough to die for us. And um, help us to know that everybody else needs that same message. We love you, God. Thanks for loving us. Help us to love others. Help us to love our neighbor as ourself, as you love us. So the world will see, and so the church will grow. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.